Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is real estate agent and Spent the Rent Podcast executive producer, Vince Casey. Vince, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, as I had mentioned, you are a behind the scenes and executive producer. What that means is that you donate to the podcast on a monthly basis through Patreon, which I super appreciate. It is uh, what helps me do this and it, and it, it continues to uh, allow the podcast to grow. And if you, the listener or watcher, are, are interested in becoming a donor or an executive producer, donors $5 a month, executive producers a little more, go to my website. It's strpod.com. And that would be amazing. So thank you so much for your support, Vince. It's great. And it's been great to get to know you and become friends behind the scenes. Uh, I'm a big fan of what you're up to. So I wanted to have you on the the podcast. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. So I wanted to have you on to discuss, like I had mentioned, you work in real estate in the Lane County area. And I wanted to have you on to discuss the housing market in Lane County and talk about what it takes for someone to get into a home. Oregon recently set a cap on the rising rent prices for 2023 at 14.9% annually, which is outrageous. It's pretty alarming. It's going up from about nine. So that's a pretty big hike. And with high gas prices and the increase in the cost of groceries, this leaves very little wiggle room for folks moving forward. One of the only ways to avoid paying more and more every year in rent is by locking in a mortgage and becoming a homeowner. I know that it's not something everyone is in a position to do, but I wanted to talk about what it takes. So for at least for some, you know, goals can be set to get moving in that direction. So I guess let's just get started. Uh, What are the qualifications and requirements to purchase a home? Well, uh, the main thing they're going to look at, uh, you got to get pre-approved with a lender and, um, they're going to want to look at uh, two years of job stability, which is either the same job or like if you kind of took a pay increase to go somewhere else, that's fine. Um, they're also going to take two years of taxes. Uh, they're going to pull your credit report, um, which I believe there's an FHA program floating out there that would take as low as 580. So that's kind of the, the basement for your credit score. And um, in most cases, you have to have a, a pretty nice little chunk of cash set aside to, for a down payment and for your closing costs and whatnot. Yeah, that's the difficult thing. I mean, I think you had kind of mentioned it, but are there any programs currently for first-time buyers to help out with the down payment? And roughly, how much is needed for the median home uh, down payment in our area? Uh, um, well, there are a few programs out there. If you wanted to look at, um, say, an FHA program, they usually want to do a 3.5% uh, down payment. So if you're looking at the range of 300000 that's just a little over $10,000. Um, 
to go on top of that, uh, usually you're going to have closing costs. Um, now that the market's starting to shift a little bit, you could certainly ask for your closing costs to be covered in some offers, and I think that would be considered. Um, but I've been, all the deals I've been part of lately, you've been looking at about 8500 to around 13000 for closing costs. And that's a lot. That's a big chunk of change. It's but huge. that's kind of why I wanted to do this because I want to just kind of talk about it. It's one of the things that it's, it's really taboo for people to talk about how much they paid for their home and how much things cost. And I think it's also, also intimidating for potential buyers to reach out to, you know, a realtor, what they may consider a salesman in a way, because they're like, well, you know, I don't want to have this person harass me if I, or it be, uh, just exposed that I'm, I'm not in a position to do it. So I just kind of wanted to do this because I wanted, I want these things to be discussed more openly so that people, uh, just understand how it all works, you know? And I mean, I'm fortunate that I was able to buy a home in 2018, but that's pretty, pretty much because of my partner. I mean, she did a lot of the legwork and, and she has, you know, I could get into that, my personal situation, (laughs) but I was lucky enough to where I kind of was just like, where do I sign kind of thing. So it worked out well. Um, so are, are there any other expenses associated with the home purchase that people may need to be aware of before they kind of jump into the research? Um, well, the main thing is once you get under contract, you will be looking at an inspection. So, um, generally for like a normal size house, you'd be looking at about $450 for an inspector. Um, most of the other expenses are just going to be kind of loan related. Uh, Obviously you're paying uh, a lender, his fee, um, but that's sort of bundled into closing costs. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people get paid when you buy a home and it, I can see why it kind of props up the market for sure. Sure. Um, but, uh, one thing I didn't get into whenever you were talking about loan programs, if people were willing or interested in looking at, uh, rural areas, there is a program called a, a, a USDA loan. And basically what that does is it encourages people to move to more rural areas. And that includes Vanita, even Cresswell, Cottage Grove. And uh, with that program, there is a zero down payment involved. So if you're out there and you don't know where your down payment's going to come from and you you do have enough to maybe talk about closing costs, um, they are a a weaker loan program. So if you're running up against multiple offers, sometimes they won't be looked at as seriously. But now that... um, purchasing is slowing down, especially in the fall, um, those programs absolutely will get you in a house. So if that's something you're willing to do, or maybe something you even want to do, uh, I'd certainly look into it. Yeah, there's definitely perks. I mean, especially as uh, Eugene and Springfield continue to grow for people that are from here, there's perks, you know, to living in a smaller area like Cottage Grove or Crestwell. I don't I wouldn't live in Crestwell, but, that, but no, no, I'm just, I'm just, everybody's I'm just, got I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, are there any other expenses? I already said that. What about realtor fees? Oh no, actually to, to kind of follow up on what we just talked about Sure. when it comes to inspections and the cost, you know, you said like four, roughly $450, mm-hmm. we had to do two inspections. Uh, and it was a really weird thing because the square footage, because there was an addition done in our house, uh, you know, by the previous owner that we, we wanted it to be added to the square footage, which actually raised the cost. It's really interesting how things can work out, Sure, but we had to do it twice. Now, is that something you have to pay out of pocket or is that going to be just kind of pushed into the whole loan? Um, generally that would be something you're putting on a credit card or paying out of pocket for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it can be a little weird sometimes like inspectors will come in and they tell you like what's going on with your home, but they're also kind of vague. Like, well, 
I noticed there's something going on with your roof, but then they won't like necessarily call it the roof. Then you got to bring in a roofing inspector. And that's like another 200, 250. Some people, if you're just getting a quote, like they'll give you a quote for free. But if you're getting another, like uh, adding a, an inspection on, then that'll be an extra charge. Yeah. Um, there's like structural engineers that will come out and look at cracks and foundation. So yeah, I mean, if you're dealing with a home that's got a few different things going on, that can certainly And this up. is for the buyer. So, I mean, that's yeah. that part, I don't understand why it's not like on the seller to be like, we're good. You know? Right. Some sellers that are highly motivated will have an inspection report for you. And they're just like, boom, yeah. this is our report. It's clean. And they're, they're trying to kind of get all that stuff out of the way. But, you know, um, I think the sellers had a lot of the power these last few years in the real estate market. So we might see some of that start to shift as it gets harder to sell homes in Lane County. And that's just, that's just a prediction. I don't have a a crystal ball, but with these APR raising, uh, APR rates raising, um, it is slowing things down a little bit. And I think that uh, we're going to start seeing buyers with a little bit more power. Right. So I mentioned, you know, there's one out of, that's a, that's one out of pocket, pocket expense potentially would be the inspection. And because if, if it comes back and you don't like it, you might have to, it's kind of like when you have to pay, uh, for an application fee to rent where you're like, well, that didn't go well. And now that's just money that's gone and that sucks. Sure. But, um, you know, what about, uh, realtor fees? Do potential buyers have to pay the realtor or does the seller cover those costs? Oh, well, that's one area that the buyer is lucky. Um, whenever you're uh, selling a home, it is on the sellers to pay the uh, realtor fees. So you're, you're off the hook for that one. That's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had mentioned APR costs in an attempt to curb inflation. The Biden administration is raising interest rates uh, again. Like and they're not. These are substantial increases, like 0.75 percent, uh, which is big. You know, and there's as APR rates going up. My question is, what does that mean for buyers? But afterwards, I want to talk about how how inflation uh, interest rates kind of work. OK, sure. Um, yeah, basically what that means for the buyer is your APR rate, um, is the percentage that they tack on to, um, the purchase of your home. So if people were pre-approved for say $400,000, um, they are lower in their pre-approval now. So they might only pre-approve for 300,000. There's a lot of people that were kind of floating in that 250, 300 range. And when the APR rates rose, they basically got priced out of the market. So they can't really buy a home unless they can find something out there that's ridiculously cheap. Um, there's not really. And there's anything. not. Like, yeah. I don't think you can find a house in Eugene for under 300000 Um, You can, but you'd be looking at a condo or a fixer. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, usually something's going on with the house if it's below that. Um, right. But, um, so, yeah, basically, uh, financially, we're talking about one point equals about $100 to your monthly payment. So if things rose from 3.25, now they're probably floating in between. I I saw somebody get pre-approved at 6.99 the other day, and that does vary on your credit score. So I don't want you to just assume that that would be your rate. But um, so yeah, you just added basically $300 to your monthly payment um, to probably most people are already kind of struggling or having a hard time that might've made them push them out of the market as well. So, um, it can be tough. Um, you know, it's still probably better than throwing away money on rent if you can get in there, uh, and, and make all the numbers work. Uh, I know FHA, I saw someone get pre-approved at 5.5. So they are trying to alleviate some things for first time home buyers and giving them special programs and special points. 
Um, you can also buy down your rate if you have that capability. Um, of course, again, that's more money, that's which more is money. which is what most people that, are. How does that work? So when you buy down your rate? Well, um, you'd probably have to talk to a lender to get all the ins and outs. Um, whenever I bought my home, I got pre-approved at 5.25. I believe this was like in May. And um, I bought it down to 4.25, which in the long run is going to save me about $90,000. Is that just paying a higher down payment? Yeah, you just basically um, kind of add to <laughs> the pile of money that goes towards uh, the lender. So um, my personal... Uh, buy down was 18k so it's not it's not a small chunk um but in the long run it's going to save me quite a bit of money so now what are the average rates right now for our for first-time buyers and what can affect the rate that someone can get well um certainly they're gonna look at your credit score and um it also like your debt to income ratio which is just like how much you're paying each month on cars and bills and and whatnot um and they're going to be just looking at your job history. So the stronger a buyer you are, the better rate that you're going to get. So always making it harder and harder for the little guy, for yeah. sure. I uh, I don't know, like six or seven years ago when I finally got my head out of my ass, I uh, downloaded Credit Karma. And I don't think that Credit Karma is like the most accurate thing. But I do think that it's a good tool to use. Because for me, I had a lot of credit card debt. And this is how I watched my credit rating really really go up i mean and i'm fortunate enough that i do uh i'm pretty modest with my my you know my stuff what i have my assets and whatnot but i do have a decent income and it's pretty consistent um well i don't know but anyways i was able to have extra money at the end of the month our kids are older they're a little bit more self-sufficient that kind of stuff and so i downloaded credit karma and i really made it my point every month that I was going to put money towards credit cards and I was able to pay off quite a bit. And I watched that soar, but I, I do think without utilizing that tool, I wouldn't have been able to have it as, as much in the forefront of my mind, you know, cause I was seeing the impact of how a hundred bucks here, 200 bucks there would, was working. It was a lot. I mean, we lived in an apartment very below our means, uh, you know, and that helped a lot that we lived in a really humble apartment with two incomes. And that's the thing nowadays is that you absolutely, unfortunately have to have two incomes to be able to do this. And, you know, that might deter people without getting too off the point that might deter people too, to jumping into being a home buyer. Cause if you're not married, you don't know the stability in your relationship. That can be really difficult, you know, you know, those yeah. things. And that's a, that's a, that's a whole different conversation, but yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I know that doing this podcast, I was like, Ugh. It's really difficult because I don't want to be like, well, just come on, buy a home. It's easy. And it's not. It's very difficult. You know, and it's a huge, huge, huge undertaking. But that being said, there's things that that you can do that, you you know, you can start getting in that direction. Uh, I uh, With higher interest rates, is this a time that potential buyers should wait to look into buying a home? Is there ever a time that it's better to be renting? Oh, um, you know, that is a question that I usually leave up to the individual. Um, well, certainly with APR rates, um, going higher, it's easier to make a purchase. You're not fighting people off. Like, um, just about six months ago, I was writing for offers for people that were releasing their inspections, releasing their appraisal contingency, hundred K over asking, and they were just getting rejected. Um, because there was people coming in with cash that were just blowing people out of the water wow. that hundred thousand uh, over asking price and getting rejected. Oh so 
So in that regard, like, hey, I can walk up to a house on open house day and make a full price offer and I'm going to get the house. So that's a big relief for buyers. Um, probably for about every 10K that you're spending, you can roughly estimate it's going to be $60. So if somebody was writing, uh, had a 3.25 um, APR rate and then they were writing 100K over asking, they are still probably kind of meeting the same point that they would have if they're making an offer today. The difference being is if your offer is strong enough, you can get it accepted a little bit easier now. So there's a little bit of give and take. Some of it's fun, some of it's not fun. Um, but I would say if you're looking for a house and uh, I'd still be rather paying higher APR rates than paying rent. Yeah, there's just no way. I mean, you talked about not having a crystal ball. There's just no way to project the future. I think that because of 2008, uh, I don't know how long you've been doing real estate if you were working during that time, but I don't. I think that people think that that's going to happen again, that there's a bubble, you know, but the difference is that in those days, that was uh, variable income or in variable interest rates, meaning that it was based on the market. Is that correct? Like, can you explain that a little bit? Well, the best way to explain 2008 to 2012 would probably be to watch the big short if yeah. you've yeah, got absolutely. that. Um, but a very short brief synopsis of that scenario is people were writing bad mortgages. Um, they weren't really verifying your income. They weren't... Um, they weren't requiring a certain credit score. Uh, people were just getting houses left and right, and they started defaulting on their loans. Yeah. And that's what caused the housing market to crash then. So as hard as it is now to purchase a home, I don't foresee another market crash. Um, but I think we might have seen a little bit of, and I'm making this word up, um, faulty appreciation. Uh, homes increased about 23% uh, last year. And because everybody was paying so much over asking to get a home, we're using all of those homes for comps right now to price our homes now. And things are sitting on the market longer. We're starting to see some price dips. And that's what people are saying, like, oh, the market's going backwards. It's not going backwards, but um, uh, in general, Eugene uh, seemed to appreciate about 6 to 9% each year. So that 23% was a big spike. And I think once the dust settles, we're probably going to see that homes are going to continue on that trend of about six to 9%. So we might see a few uh, prices fall back and, and homes stay on the market a little bit longer until we meet like that kind of true value that, uh, that uh, most homes have, you know, and the benefit of, and this is, I mean, above my pay grade, but a, the benefit of if you're, if you already own a home and the value goes down is, is that your taxes are less, you know, and I don't know how long or how often that is factored in or, or like appraised essentially, uh, or if it's just an estimate, but man, that, cause that's the one thing about when you get a mortgage, it, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's great. When you look on Zillow and you're like, my house went up by $90,000, but <laughs> that, that means that at the end of the year, you're going to end up paying more in taxes for the supposed value, even though you're not selling it. And right. So that's a difficult thing too. So I still would take that over the potential rent increase, you know, because I don't think that they match up like right. the cost of, of homeownership and the cost of rent. They're not, they don't match up. And like you had said, it's like the deck is usually stacked against the little guy, you know? So yeah, pretty frustrating. Uh, so how do folks get started? Do they just reach out to you? I mean, how do you find most of your uh, potential clients? Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, I just say through building community, um, 
you know, staying in touch with friends and, um, you kind of get known as the guy that does real estate. Um, I've been lucky enough to get teamed up with an investor who does quite a few deals. Um, and that's really, um, that's probably the bread and butter of my business. So, um, every real estate agent's a little bit different, um, on how they go about stuff. I try to stay away from doing a bunch of online marketing just because those relationships aren't as personal. And it seems like there's quite a bit more work whenever you're working with people that you already know and trust you. It's, it's usually a pretty smooth transaction. So, okay. So overview, if you're an average home, like, you know, three bedrooms, we'll say in Eugene, in Eugene or Springfield, I know that's going to vary a lot. What are we looking at? Like what kind of, as of right now, if you were looking to buy a home, how much do you need down roughly before it's even really something that's feasible? How much would you need down and what are you looking at on your monthly costs? Well, um, you know, that situation could really vary um, because like I mentioned earlier, you can get your closing costs covered if you're in part of the right deal and the seller needs to sell and they're priced wrong, then you can make them a full price offer and ask for all your closing costs to be covered and that's $8,500 off the table. Um, so certainly something to be aware of. Um, Closing but, costs, though, will be put into your loan, correct? That's not paid out of pocket? Uh, closing costs will be paid at closing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it is out of, out of pocket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically you're looking at um, maybe I could just do like a quick little breakdown of what the offer process looks like. That'll answer some of your questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got the home. You went to the open house. It's real cute. You want to make an offer. Um so you go in and you have your agent write an offer. Um, and generally, if you are looking for a home, you want to go ahead and get pre-approved with a local lender first. Um, so once you have that pre-approval uh, letter in hand, that kind of makes you like armed and ready. Um, then once you go in and make the offer, in some cases, there might be like a, a multiple offer situation where you have to wait and see which offer they choose. Um but let's say they, for whatever reason, went ahead and chose your offer. You would then be under contract. You submit earnest money, which is generally about 1% of the price of the home. It's just like a good faith saying like, um, I'm willing to put this down and uh, talk about buying your home. Then you're under an inspection period. And that inspection period generally lasts about two weeks. And it gives you an uh, opportunity just to kind of go over the history of the home, get an inspector in there. Um Make sure all the cards are right for, for this to be the home you want to buy. Um, after the inspection period is over, you'll lose your earnest money. Or, I mean, it'll still be there, but uh, you lose the, you kind of forfeit your earnest money. So if you want to get out of a deal, it's best to do it in the first two weeks. And at that point, all you have to do is deliver a letter saying we're no longer interested. Both parties don't have to agree. The deal is done. So um that they do give you quite a bit of buying power in Oregon. Not every state has that. So um, after that, then an appraiser is going to come out that represents the lender and he's going to check out the house and make sure that it appraises at the value that your loan is set at. Um, most of the time that process goes fairly smoothly, but I have seen a few appraisers come in low and uh, it, it can mess up a deal pretty quick. So um, after you're, you're through the appraisal process, you're going to come in the day of closing with your down payment money they're going to have you sign about 400 forms <laughs> and, yeah, then, yeah. and then you're a, a homeowner. Um, that's a really generic breakdown. Um, obviously, every deal is kind of unique to itself. Uh, I'd be happy to talk about unique scenarios offline, but that's just kind of 
the basis. Right. So, uh, again, it, like the total that, you know, probably $10,000 before you're really going to jump into it. Yeah. And that's a big chunk of change, and I get that, you know, but, I mean, it's doable. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's just tough because on this show, I definitely, you know, spent the rent, the name spent the rent started because I spent rent money to buy a microphone to start making music, <laughs> literally. And yeah. so I have full understanding of how difficult it can be to uh, just get by every month. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's just really difficult that this is one of those things in life that not, nothing's going to happen for you. You have to kind of do it yourself. And yeah. so that means that you have to put yourself in position to do that, which means that you got to think about your cash flow. You know, shout out to Oregon Cash Flow Pro, my <laughs> title sponsor. That that's what he's all about. James Barber talks about if you ma- if you maximize your cash flow and think about what's going out, then that allows you to make better financial decisions. And that's just that's I mean, it's a difficult thing that that you know. I always hate it when you when you watch politicians say, "Well, maybe you should just not have an iPhone," you know, things like that. And it's like, oh, I mean, a lot of times the issue is is making a livable wage. Uh-huh. and and whatnot we could be here for days talking about that yeah. so i want to thank you you know for for talking about some of this stuff if anybody's interested they can reach out to you directly uh or you can go to vincecasey.com is it.com uh-huh. yeah vincecasey.com for more info uh if you're interested in buying a home or if you have any questions uh you know feel free to reach out to vince i'm sure that he can answer your questions even if you're kind of like cautious about buying i'm sure that he's totally down to to tell you what you need to to know about you know those steps. Yeah, I would say, um, even if you're just curious, uh, talk to a lender. They'll give you great tips on how to build credit and uh, what you need to do to be in a position to buy a home. And and for me and for a lot of people, I think that's the biggest thing is just start making steps. Even if you're just like setting aside a hundred dollars a month, like it's amazing what happens once you make a decision in your mind. Like I'm gonna do something. Uh, I feel like the universe just kind of like supports you on whatever that is. Um, Whenever I made a decision to buy a house, it was a pretty, um, yeah, it was a pretty unique situation. I wasn't in a position at all. I just decided I wanted to be a homeowner, and at the time I was doing sales, and we rolled out we rolled out like a new incentive program, that I just happened to like completely crush it on the month that they rolled out the new program, and all the stars aligned, and I actually got enough uh, for my down payment, like in like two months. Wow, well, I mean, and, and that's that's like you know, there's certain. I almost felt guilty about this during the pandemic, during the quarantine, there was this push, 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 if you could to refinance your home. And we had bought two years before that. Uh So most cases you're like, that's not possible. I just bought it, but we were able to, and we were able to lower interest rate. Now that being said, like I almost felt guilty like doing this because I'm like, I see so many of my friends that are struggling. And then I realized I'm like, there is in life going to be opportunities where you benefit and where you don't. It's just that simple. And there's been so many times in my life that I haven't, that it, that in 2008, I wasn't in a position when housing costs were the lowest that we've seen in our lifetime, maybe, or at least, you know, I mean, it obviously went up and then it dropped, but it, I, it was harder to get a loan for one. And I was not in a position to do so, you know, because my credit was bad and all that kind of stuff. So you're not able to kind of benefit from those downturns. That's the difficult thing about this whole thing. It's like if you're benefiting from the downside, if you're like, oh, yeah, it's like I'm going to wait until everything collapses. Think about how many people that's destroying their lives. (laughs) You know, so we don't want that. You don't want a downturn. 
You know, you don't want it to be like just constantly out of control, wild, wild west, like what it seemed like two summers ago. I mean, the year we bought, it was all of it was probably the wrong time to be buying, but the cost has gone up a lot. So, I mean, I'm like, whatever, man, I can't, we couldn't have waited, you know? And so we were buying it when people we were getting outbid. We made multiple bids at the same time, which is taboo. I know that because you're not supposed to make a, a bid if you're not going to get the house. But the our realtor at the time was like, you will be outbid on this one. So if you want it, the one that we wanted, we did get outbid by a lot. Yeah. But so, we're, I mean, it was wild, wild west. But that being said, fast forward, you know, three or what? It's been four years and the value of the house has gone up by 40%, which is insane. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I guess... I don't think houses are like crypto where it can go up 40% in two days and then it'll drop that 40% too. I don't think that happens that way with housing. It is the quickest path to generating wealth. And um, yeah, once you get out of the rent game, it really changes your life. Um, so if, if that's the goal of yours, I would say, you know, don't give up, make it a priority and uh, um, put it to the forefront and, and start creating vision boards and whatever you, whatever sure. you do to manifest yeah. your dreams. Like get tattoos on your body. Like the dude, <laughs> like the dude from Memento. Uh, no, I think that that was because he's, he had syphilis, isn't it? That was a spoiler. No, anyway, anyways. Uh, so, uh, Hey, I want to talk about one more thing. Thank you so much for, for, you know, giving us some info on the housing market. Sure. This is completely unrelated to what we were talking about today, but I do want to talk to you about it. You hosted an event recently for kids that was a little out of the ordinary. Can you tell me about it? Um, well, actually, I guess I, uh, I co-hosted. It was actually Erica's idea, Orion's mother. But um, it's called My First Rave. And um, yeah, it was just like this little event that we threw for kiddos. Um, really, we didn't have an age limit. Um, but we had a DJ, uh, Tina Turner, come out and she spun some records. And all the kids got dressed up in their rave gear. We had, a you know, like a big glow-in-the-dark room and... Um, they were just dancing and running around and being silly and having a good time. It was pretty rad. The pictures and videos that I saw, there was inflatable suits, like the big dinosaur costumes and whatnot. Yeah. And black lights and kids wearing bright neon colors. Yeah. You know, and costumes and things like that. So my first rave, is this something that you're going to do like quarterly, annually? I mean, it's, it it was a success for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it'll happen quarterly. Um, we're going to try to find like, uh, different themes to do throughout the year. Um, it sounds like the next one's probably going to happen at Blair Alley. So oh, cool. Yeah, we'll have uh, all the games there for the kiddos too. And that's that's a barcade. So when it's like an all ages event, it, the whole theme would probably kind of change. Like the as far as who's there, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, kiddos have to leave by nine thirty, and there's bedtime and everything anyway. Sure. So it'd be kind of a, an earlier event. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see a dance party for kids. You know, you don't see that very often. I thought it was great. I thought the marketing was good. You guys did great with it. Uh, and so, yeah, anybody in the Lane County area, keep your eyes open for my first rave and that there's a Facebook page, correct? For my first rave. So you can go follow that so that you can get notified about the upcoming events. That was a really cool thing. And, and I was, I was impressed with that idea. So shout out to Erica for that. And you, you know, you put in some work too. Well, Vince Casey, thank you so much. Uh, you know, and thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Like I had mentioned before, if you're listening or watching and you'd like to become a sponsor, you can go to strpod.com. Uh, if you have any show ideas, you can email me. Uh, we're going to be doing some fun stuff coming up next weekend. I'm going to be interviewing Mayor Sean Van Gordon, the Springfield, Oregon mayor. He's going to be in the studio. I'm really excited about it. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up on your ballot. And then uh, I've got some fun interviews coming up too about healthcare 
And I'm going to have later in the month, I'm going to be sitting down with Eugene City Councilor Randy Groves, former fire chief. That should be a really good episode. And then I've been in talks with uh, KI, KI Design from the Big Dirty, uh, the end of October, early, early early November. He'll be here too. Also, I don't know if, if you're listening, if you've uh, heard this yet, but I'm going to be going to Washington, D.C., November 8th. I'm going to be taking the Spent the Rent podcast on the road. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do, but uh, keep your eyes peeled for, for some exciting stuff. I'll be... I'll be going to the nation's capital the day of the election. So depending on what happens, I may or may not storm the capital. I don't know if it's illegal for me to joke about that because I am 100% joking. I will not be doing any destruction to anything. I want that to be clear. I won't be throwing like paint against the wall like just happened. Did you see that on the news? Someone chucked a whole can of paint on like the Washington Monument. Oh, wow. Yeah, which, which is not cool. Good but times. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. Vince Casey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we're going to end this with a song. This is the song handpicked by Vince Casey, Yas Feratu by Westerner. <laughs>